Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Welcome back, everyone. A quick video today on the blow up of Archegos Capital. Let's talk about who Bill Huang is, the role of prime brokers and the issues of leverage and the total return swaps that he traded. Let's see if we can learn something useful from the situation. Now, the reason I didn't rush to make a video on this topic is that there's nothing I find more annoying than the type of person who steps in after a disaster like this to kick a guy while he's down. It's a bit like when you're watching a sporting event with a friend and an athlete fumbles the ball and your friend says, what an idiot, I wouldn't have made that mistake. And you think, well, of course you wouldn't have made that mistake. You're sitting on a couch eating Cheetos. The biggest mistake you're going to make today is to spill beer on my couch. You know, it's a, it's a different thing. So while I could make a video where I make all sorts of jokes about the losses, let's see instead if there are any useful lessons that we could take away from this story. This loss that happened over a day or two has to be one of the greatest losses of personal wealth in history. So first up, who is Bill Wong and is he a dummy? Well, he started out his career working for Julian Robertson, who's one of the most legendary fund managers. Uh, Julian Robertson ran Tiger Management, which was one of the best performing hedge funds in history. And he's up there with people like Soros, Buffett and Simons. He's one of the greats. Uh, I think he turned $8.8 million into $22 billion over a 20-year period. And Robertson used to seed the funds of his top traders when they left his firm. And those funds went on to have great returns and they were known as Tiger Cubs. They often had the word Tiger in their name. And Bill Huang is one of the people seeded by Julian Robertson. So it's probably reasonable to say that he's not a dummy. So Bill started up a fund that was called Tiger Asia Management in 2001, which went on to be one of the biggest Asia-focused hedge funds, managing more than $5 billion at its peak. He took a beating in 2008 during the Volkswagen short squeeze, but overall had good returns. Now, of course, in 2012, he was accused of insider trading in Chinese bank stocks. He pled guilty to a criminal fraud charge and paid $44 million to settle his case with the securities regulators. He then wound up his fund and he was no longer eligible to take outside money. So in theory, at that point, Bill might have found himself permanently blacklisted by the investment banks. That's kind of what you would expect. But a year later, he was back in the game with a family office, meaning that he now managed only his own money. And he called this uh, Archegos Capital Management. So he was now just managing $200 million of his own money. Back in 2012, I think, most of the brokers wouldn't touch him. But equally, when you have $200 million, there is always someone who will help out and hold it for you for a small fee. And soon, many of the world's top investment banks were competing for his business. 
So Bill was back up and running. It's worth being clear that this was not a hedge fund that's being reported in the press. It's a wealthy individual who traded like a hedge fund because he was a former hedge fund manager. And he used the prime brokerage services of the banks to do so. Now, prime brokerage is kind of like a higher service version of brokerage at an investment bank. And it's reserved for the biggest clients. Being a family office, he'll have gotten much more privacy than a hedge fund would. And that's why he had a reported net worth of over $10 billion without anyone really hearing much about him at all. So he ran his family office for eight years. And in that time, he turned his initial $200 million into $10 billion. That's an annualized return of around 63% a year over eight years, which is just a massive return. The returns might have been even higher as it would appear that he donated $500 million to one charity and possibly donated to many more charities. Some of the news are reporting that he was in business for nine years, but I don't think that's true because it took him a year to wrap up his fund and get going again. If the nine-year number is correct, it means he returned around 55% a year. And of course, over the last week, it would appear that he lost all of that money and more. Now, two of his brokers, Credit Suisse and Nomura, warned their investors and banking regulators this week that they faced billions of dollars in losses after Archegos defaulted on margin calls. Between them, the banks had lent billions of dollars for highly levered bets on US and Chinese stocks. Nomura warned yesterday that they're facing a $2 billion estimated loss, and the Financial Times reports that Credit Suisse has losses of 3 to $5 billion. The people at SoftBank obviously must be kicking themselves that they weren't involved. They're, they're slipping. So you get anyhow a pretty good understanding of the way that the prime brokers were thinking about risk and reward when you look at the way Goldman behaved in this case. For years, they would not deal with Huang at all due to his history of insider trading. Then suddenly they're doing everything they can to get him as a client and lend him money. When he was a $200 million client, the fees they generated would have been small. And when he's a $10 billion client who trades a 60 to $80 billion line, greed trumps fear. It would appear that Huang had prime brokerage arrangements with Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Credit Suisse, Nomura and Deutsche Bank and maybe more. Now the full picture of his positions is still emerging and it's not yet clear what the catalyst was for this liquidation or what his hedges were. But you can clearly see what the big positions were based on the block sales that we saw in the market. It would appear that he mostly traded single stocks but he did it through total return swaps. So he didn't buy the actual stocks, he invested in total return swaps. And total return swaps are a derivative that's also known as contracts for difference. And they allow you to get the returns of both the capital gains and dividends of a reference asset without actually having to own it. You enter this agreement typically with a bank, which will usually have a funding cost advantage you usually have to post a smaller amount of capital up front and thus the position is leveraged. The bank will usually borrow money at its funding cost and buy the underlying stock as a hedge. And you can see that banks like Goldman and Morgan were the largest holders of some of the stocks that were liquidated and they probably held these positions in order to hedge the swaps. Total return swaps can be used to hide your ownership of a stock, but that doesn't mean that you can use them to break the law. 
Um, there was a fund called the Children's Investment Fund, which, despite its name, was not run by children. And they got in trouble a few years ago for using them to avoid disclosing that they'd built a position of greater than 5% in CSX Corp. Another interesting feature of these swaps is that while they give you the economic exposure of owning the stock, they don't give you the voting rights. And that means that in theory you could buy a stock, sell total return swaps, and be left with voting rights without being exposed to the returns of the stock. Anyhow, it would appear that Bill Huang mostly just used these things for leverage and to maintain his privacy, and in truth, mostly just for leverage. So do I feel bad for the brokerages that lost billions in this? Not really. I feel that they knew who they were dealing with, they knew how much leverage they had given him, and they made their bet and they lost. The news tells us that he was levered between five times and eight times. His returns were in the range of between 55% a year to as high as possibly 70% a year for eight or nine years. And to me, this is like letting Lewis Hamilton borrow your Ferrari and then getting upset that he drove it a bit fast. What were you expecting? It's what he does, right? We'll probably learn more as more news comes out, but it's somewhat surprising that he wiped out in this market environment. Over his career, he'll have traded through the LTCM meltdown, the dot-com boom and bust, September 11th attacks, the financial crisis, and the coronavirus meltdown a year ago. He was also on the wrong side, as I mentioned earlier, of the Volkswagen short squeeze, and survived that. That was sort of the old version of the GameStop short squeeze. And I'm kind of amazed that he made it through all of those situations and then got carried out last week. There are a few other interesting parts to the story. Bloomberg is reporting that the prime brokerages facing Huang's position had a call in the middle of last week, during which Credit Suisse pitched that the bank should coordinate to slowly unwind their positions. Apparently this was agreed upon, and the story then goes that first Goldman and then Morgan broke the deal and began dumping their positions. That's the, the big block trades that we saw on Friday. I'm then hearing that one of these banks, once they'd exited their positions, leaked the story. And that's why Credit Suisse and No More are left holding the bag. Representatives of the banks declined to comment to Bloomberg when asked about this. But I would think that if that deal actually did occur, it strikes me as possibly illegal. So what is prime brokerage? It's, it's a business that got big in the early 2000s at the start of the hedge fund boom. Back then, the brokerages were earning high fees from these clients and competed with each other for business. They would help a hedge fund find an office. They'd help you find staff. They'd introduce you to potential investors, along with providing brokerage services. I have a friend who jokes that being an investment banker today is a bit like being a stewardess. It used to be highly paid and glamorous, but it's no longer either of those things. Today, Prime Brokerage is a low margin business. It uses lots of capital and it leaves the bank with a lot of tail risk. For some of the banks, this blow up will have wiped out a decade's worth of profits. It's not really obvious to me why some of them are even in that business anymore. I think they just like being able to say that they deal with the biggest and brightest hedge fund clients. It's more about the prestige than the return on capital. Years ago, the, the big banks used to have proprietary trading desks that traded like hedge funds. Politicians then passed laws that shut down prop trading. And now the banks are just exposed to these risks through their clients, like we see in this event. 
that not only are they exposed to these risks, but they don't earn any of the returns if it goes well. And as a friend of mine said to me this morning, we need smart, well-paid people in government who make better rules. So for Bill Huang, it looks like he's lost everything. He made a big bet and he lost. And this is really almost just a huge scale version of the stories you hear about a trader, a Wall Street bets trader, levering up their Robinhood account and wiping out. One of my first big videos here on YouTube was a video on leverage and position sizing. And it explains why trading too big is almost guaranteed to wipe you out, even if you have an edge. And I'll put a link to that video in the description below. If you haven't watched it, it's kind of worth watching. I guess the final part of today's video is that Bloomberg News spoke to Bill Huang's former employer, the legendary fund manager Julian Robertson, who I mentioned earlier. And Julian spoke very kindly of him. He said that he was a good guy who made a terrible mistake and hurt himself more than anyone. See you guys later. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.